Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. I'm going to read just real quick before we get going from Luke 17, just to give us a foundation. Luke 17, starting at verse 11. And it's speaking about Jesus and it says, Now it happened when he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And this morning we're gonna pause as we cross out of this year and uh, just say thank you. We're going to pause and say thank you. And I think it's so important sometimes that we have the nudge on the inside that we, we remind ourselves to pause and say thank you. And so Lord, today we just, as we come into your word, we thank you for stirring us up on this, on the inside. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would ignite in us such a radical overflow of gratitude that it would be tangible, God, that we would feel the overflow where we have maybe been bogged down by details. We've maybe been been uh, fatigued by the fight, God. Maybe we've been just um, surrounded by, by uh, opposition on all fronts. Maybe we've just been tired of going from one thing to the next to the next. God, today we pray for an extra grace to pause and recognize your goodness. Open our eyes to see, help us to see who you are, where you are, how you work, how you love. Give us a moment, Lord, to really see and help our hearts to respond as they should today, God. Forgive us for disregarding you in any way, Lord, if we've, if we've missed it in any way. God, today we ask for an overflow, God, that you would grace us to extravagantly worship, to extravagantly praise, to extravagantly offer you our thanks. We ask for an extra grace to be able to do that. And Lord, today I thank you that in the abundance and the fullness of praise, you are lifted high. Lord, we lean into your word today. We lean into your presence. And Lord, we position ourselves to say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise you, God. Well, it's such an interesting thing. Thank you, Daylene. It's such an interesting thing to come to a year end again and uh, just realize, you know, time just goes by faster and faster and faster. I think something happens after 30 that you just start to to shift in the place where you're like, how are we here again? I would have said it was like four months, but it's been a whole nother year. And there's little windows and pockets that I think the calendar allows us to pause and actually take note of the things that are passing and the things that are going on. And we can miss it if we don't stop, if we don't take notice. I was thinking um, the other day we had, uh, we got to have our newest G baby over and just visit for an hour or whatever, hour or two. And, uh, we stopped everything just to look at him. 
Like we're just sitting just to look at him and be there. And it's like, oh, listen to him breathe. Look at him. You know, he's smiling. It's like, and we're like, we're everything about that hour and a half or two hours or whatever is about this, this one, right? And I was thinking about how, how sad it is sometimes when you're parents the first time. This is honestly the gift of grandparenting is you're smart enough to stop and do that. First time around, you're like, okay, he's being quiet. I'm going to have to do the laundry. I'm going to load the dishwasher. And you're just like, I'm going to try and survive today. And tomorrow we'll get through another day. And it's just about survival. But when you have a little bit more experience and a little bit more space in your life, you pause and you, you take in the little breaths and you look at like the wrinkles on their little fingers and, and the stuff that you kind of missed the first time around. And even though, you know, when you're grandparents, you can say to first time parents, like, enjoy every minute. I actually think it's almost impossible because just sheer survival is happening. So it's, it's the gift that we get to look forward to in days to come, the things that we can pause and, and enjoy. And, and sometimes I think life is like that. Like when you're going through the struggles, you're going through the survival, you're going through the issues, all you can think of is what's going to happen. Can I make it to the other side? Can I get to the other end of this? Can we get through this? What's it going to be like in six months, nine months, a year? I just need to get through this. We just need to make it through this. We just need to make it through this busy season. We just need to make it through this budget season. We just need to make it through. And sometimes we, pa- we forget to pause and go, wow, God's amazing. And I was thinking, you know, my most recent one, even Christmas Eve, I had this moment on Christmas Eve. How many of you were here for one of the Christmas Eve services? Almost everybody. It was so good to have everybody in the house. And um, I was thinking as I looked out Sunday night, or Monday, what, what night was it? Sunday night? Yes, Sunday night. Um, and it was packed. And I mean, people were literally sitting side by side by side by side by side in every single row. And it just... I had this flashback of a few years ago when there was a hundred people in the room who were the family of the people who were going to be on the stage and everybody else was in the parking lot. And I remember that night we finished up and I remember sitting on the edge of the stage going, dear God, this can't be the future. This can't, this can't be how we do church in years to come. This this cannot be how this goes. And like, Lord, thank you for the grace to get through this year, but like, I'm believing you for better days. Do you know we had, between the two services, over 900 people in the building last week? Like, that is so much better than, I mean, it was fun in the parking lot. I heard people were like, that's the best service ever. <laughs> like, praise God for grace. <laughs> but, but Sometimes we can just carry on and it's like, what do we need to do for the service? What do we need to do for this? What do we need to plan for this? Do we have people for that? And you can forget to pause and go, thank you, Lord. You can, you can sit with people around your table and be like questioning the conversation or whatever. And you forget to be like a few years ago, we weren't sitting around the table together. It, it, we can be sitting there and, and you know, playing games, doing stuff, and, and, and just carrying on the motions of building in the traditions and doing the stuff and forgetting that maybe six months ago, we were throwing out the prayer request, like, I don't, I can't breathe, I can't, what, I'm, like, we're so sick in our house, like, we just need prayer. Sometimes we can forget to pause and go, thank you, God, that we're all healthy today. Like, how, how, I won't even, I won't even ask, it's been really rough the last few months, but Almost everybody, if I said in the last three months, you had days in your house that you were like, oh my goodness, everybody is so sick. 
NyQuil's not cutting it. DayQuil's not cu- cutting it. Middle of the day is not cutting <laughs> None of this stuff is even getting through. I don't know what this is. And the prayer requests are flying out there because like, oh my goodness, like the little ones don't have the strength to fight this. The older people don't have the strength to fight this. And yet you're here today breathing like... You know, when was the last time we paused and just went, actually, God answered a prayer? How many times during the year were you like, I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. I don't know how we're going to get through this. And yet you're here today and something happened. God showed up in some way. We have to pause and decide to say thank you. And I'm a real big believer in how we end something determines the the blessing that we experience when we start something. And, And we say that about all sorts of different areas, but how we end something determines how we experience the blessing when we start something. How we end a job determines how we experience the blessing when we start a job. Are we walking honorably? Are we doing things? How we leave a relationship determines how we start a new relationship. If we're walking broken out of the last one, it's really hard to start a new one from a whole place. We have to, we have to finish well so that we can start well. And sometimes when we have like a new year's Eve service, we're looking at what's ahead, what's ahead, what's ahead. And we're actually going to, we'll prophetically talk about that in two Sundays. But today I really felt like we needed to pause and celebrate what's behind. What has God done? What has God done? How has he showed up? How has he moved? Are we actually saying thank you? And this has been a repeat message this year on different levels because I feel like God is really disciplining us to live in gratitude. That it's actually a state of the heart that is intended to be our natural state. But when we're not cultivating it, we drift towards the other stuff. We drift towards complaining. We drift towards goal setting. We drift towards being driven. We drift towards, you know, whatever. But if we, if we live as gratitude is a practice in our lives, we're positioned well to experience God because we're looking for where is he going to move next. We're just, we have dis- disciplined our minds, our hearts to say, wow, God did this. God did this. God did this. What's he going to do next? If we just look at what's he going to do next and we miss the what has he done, we won't be looking in the right places and we won't be prepared to move when he tells us to. So the attitude of the heart totally matters. It's something that God has put in us. Um, I've read this passage multiple times this year. So if you haven't caught it yet, Deuteronomy 8, God gives us a warning. And it's one of our first ones that we see when God's leading the children of Israel into freedom. And there's this warning about there is a natural tendency to forget. There's a natural tendency to forget. And, and we see it in our daily lives, like the whole statement, pain leaves no memory. It's a thing. Like Wayne and I were talking, like literally nobody would ever have more than one child unless that was true. Ever. If it's, it's the fact that when you see the victory, you see this beautiful new baby you forget that this was absolute misery for the last however many hours. And, and, and a few minutes ago, you were like, I'm never doing this again. You're never touching me again. This has never happened. And now it's like, oh, this is the best moment of my life. Something happens and we leave, we leave the pain back there, right? That's, that's part of it. That's part of God's gift. But we have to make sure that in life that we're recognizing we don't just leave the pain behind, but we live in the gratitude of the moment. 
and we recognize that God actually pulled us through. So God's giving this thing in Deuteronomy 8, kind of starting at verse 13. He's, he's talking about when you get to the other side, lest when you've eaten and are full, have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. When your herds multiply, your silver and your gold are multiplied. Basically, when you've had a, all the good stuff, when you're doing okay, when it's going well, there's this, this thing that can happen. Verse 14, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the terrible wilderness in which there were uh, fiery serpents and scorpions, the thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, the, one, the God who did the impossible in the midst of the impossible. The, the one who it did the impossible when you were like, it's impossible for me to survive. And God's like, watch this. <laughs> there's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be some, there's Watch me bring water out of a rock. Watch me pay your power bill. Right? Watch me heal your lungs. Watch me provide a space for you in employment. Watch me bring your family back together. Watch me stir up that phone call so you can actually connect with somebody. Watch me do something amazing. So God's been doing this. And it says, he, uh, verse 16, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, he did the impossible. He provided something that hadn't existed before. Sometimes we're in the middle of the deep places and we're like, how, how, how? How? God's like, trust me. How? Trust me. Why? How? 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 God's like, manna means literally, what is it? It's when God does the what is it. God does the impossible. He doesn't answer the how based on our framework. He answers the how based on his, which is limitless, timeless, measureless, full of love and grace. So he provided this, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you. Now we, we listen to that up. You've been humbled. You've been tested. No, a test is for advancement. Humbling is for exaltation. So God brings us, that he will exalt you in due time. Humble yourself under that mighty hand of God that he can exalt you in due time. When God brings you through the stuff and says, let me spoon feed you all along the way. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. It's not punishment. It's a preparation for something greater on the other side of that. God literally walked Israel through this and he says, this is what I did. I, I, I um, tested you. I humbled you to do you good in the end. Some of us today, we're sitting in the good in the end. Today is a, we're in the good in the end. We have seen it. We know it. Some of us are still in process. Let me tell you, if God is taking you through and you're hanging on to him, it is for good in the end. God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He loves you. He wants to do you good in the end. Don't quit early and stop whining. That's not in my notes, but that's uh, for somebody. All right, to do you good in the end. And then you will say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. See, the temptation when we get through it, if we don't pause and live in gratitude is look how great I am. Which is pride, which is the foundation of all sin. 
It's the place that shuts off the blessing so God can't get you what he was wanting to release to you in the first place. As he's walking us through the things and he wants to do us good in the end, if we move into the pride place of look what I accomplished, we will miss the blessing that he has for us. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant with which he uh, swore to your fathers as it is this day. We remember, we pause, we stand in gratitude because God is wanting to show himself strong and faithful to his covenant. It's a very deliberate decision to remember. Remember literally means to mark, to recognize, and to mention. Some of us don't want to think about how it's been. We don't want to think about what we've been through. We don't want to think about the hard stuff. We don't want to think about the difficulties. God says, don't just think about it so that you can dwell there. It's go there and say, thank you, God, you're bringing me through. Or thank you, God, you've brought me through. Thank you, Lord, that that didn't kill me. Thank you, Lord, I'm not stuck back there. Thank you, Lord, I'm not buried back in that spot in the wilderness. Thank you, Lord, that I'm still moving. I'm still walking. I still got breath in my lungs. I still got strength in my body. I still got the ability to function. And God, I'm gonna take that breath and I'm going to praise you with it. I'm gonna glorify you with it. We wanna just walk through a couple concepts of of developing this, walking in this, working on this, because it actually is something that has to be disciplined in us. So what we want to look at first is there's gratitude of the heart or a heart of gratitude. This is what we want to develop. It's interesting because 2 Timothy um, 3 talks about like how how the world looks when people walk away from God, how things fall apart in the end times. And it says, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I think we might be there. Verse two, for men will be lovers of themselves. Yep, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, all these horrible things, unthankful. unholy, unloving, unforgiving, and it just goes on. (laughs) Right in the midst of all the stuff, we're like, yeah, the world is just falling apart. It's just evil everywhere. God's like, unthankful is in the list. Unthankful is actually um, flesh nature that is driven and motivated by sin that falls into the place of brokenness in this description. All the horrible things that we read, unthankfulness is like that. It's why the Bible instructs us almost as much as it says, fear not, it instructs us to be thankful. Like an instruction that we decide to follow. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, in everything, in, you're in the car, you're in the house, you're in your office. It's the situation, the place that you are in, it's the place that you have been established, it's the fixed position wherever you are and in every situation, choose gratitude. Wherever you are, it's not, this is not stuff related, it's wherever I am, I choose, I am situationally positioned for gratitude. I am deciding it. Gratitude of the heart focuses on the who, not the what. 
It's a, it's a place of I recognize who holds my life together. I recognize who's given me the breath that I have. I recognize who's the source. I recognize the core of my existence. I am recognizing the who. I'm not focusing on just what is around me, the circumstances that are around me. But in the circumstances, I have a heart of gratitude. So this is very interesting because this is where we get tripped up in how we're deciding. I feel, we can feel so grateful when everything's going great. And we can struggle a little bit when it's not so great. But real gratitude isn't dependent on that. There is a verse that gets pulled up a lot from Ephesians 5. And it says, uh, verse 15, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And it goes on and it's talking about um, how you decide to interact with one another, how you walk righteously. And then in verse 19, it says, Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of people stumble on this particular verse because it says giving thanks for all things to God. Every other place it says giving thanks in all things. Situationally. And I think what's really important because when we say giving thanks for all things, you get a cancer diagnosis. It, it is completely anti-biblical to be thank you God for the cancer. You lose your job and you're, you're in utter poverty. It's completely anti-scriptural to be like, thank you, God, for this poverty. Thank you, Lord, for starving me out. That makes no sense contextually. So when we look at this, we have to break it down. And I want you to just see this. It actually says, um, when it says giving thanks for all things, there is a word there. It is the Greek word, huper, meaning over above all, beyond, or more than. So let's just leave that up for a second. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So that, that verse, that's talking about the relational situation that we're in with one another and with God. It's this place of walking in the fullness of being his child, being brothers and sisters with one another, what it looks like to live a godly life. And then it goes on giving thanks for all things to God. So if we, if we replace that, if we say giving thanks um, above all, giving thanks above all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it means above the situation that you find yourself in. What if we put, replace it with the word um, beyond or more than? Giving thanks beyond all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks more than all things to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's literally, it's not saying sit in this brokenness and thank God for it. It means in the brokenness, give your honor to God. Give your praise to God. Give your worship to God. Glorify him. Be grateful to who he is so that he can lead you out. If we think for a second that God is inflicting us with all these horrible things, it is very hard to stand in faith, isn't it? It's very hard to pray the prayer of faith when you're like, maybe God is just trying to, you know, knock me down a peg. It's against his character. It's against his nature. So it does say, because it's in command form, giving thanks for all things or above all things or beyond all things or more than all things or over all things. It's in command form. It means it's a choice that we're going to step into.
It means it's something that we can decide that we are going to have a heart of gratitude in the midst of whatever. We're maybe walking somebody through something in a hospital room. We're maybe walking through somebody, somebody through something in the, the brokenness of, of their own life, but we can be there with a heart of gratitude. Gratitude is recognizing who God is. So moving past that, then we can recognize the choice of gratitude. Gratitude is spontaneous sometimes. It's that overflow because something amazing happens and your heart just overflows with gratitude. But more often, it's a choice that we discipline into practice and the more we walk in it, the more it becomes automatic. It's a choice. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks the instruction for all things or above all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So and let or be, these are instruction words. These are choice words. These are things that we decide. So we can get to a, a crossover point like we're at today and we can just move forward and just, Move on to the next month. Can't believe it's another year. Gas prices are going to go up tomorrow. You should fill your tank today if you can do that. <laughs> we can complain, and it's reasonable to be like, this is not cool. But we can be grateful if we can put money in the tank. I remember when Wayne and I were dating, and he had a car that was like a tank with wheels on it. It was big, hey? It was big, big engine, whatever. And I mean, he would have just, that's when everybody actually bought stuff with cash. So you'd have change. And his ashtray, because young people, there used to be ashtrays in cars. Because um, everybody smoked. <laughs> his ashtray would always be full of change from whatever he was buying and whatever. And, and we would always be thrilled. I'm going to sound so old right now. Maybe I'm not going to say it. <laughs> we would always be thrilled when there was another five bucks of quarters or whatever in the in the ashtray because you could put a you know like what a quarter of a tank of gas or something in for that like a, a lot for five bucks and we would just cruise around like all night just drive around all night and, and and we were so grateful for that little five bucks you know and we would drain it until it was gone you know and spend every dime but sometimes we're so worried about, are we making it all the way to full that we complain about the top half and we miss the fact that God's filling up the bottom half, that there's something for that. I, I saw this quote, unknown person, it doesn't matter if the glass is half empty or half full. Be grateful you have a glass and there's something in it. <laughs> right? It's a focus. It's a perspective. Like, God, I thank you that there's something. I thank you for this that I do have instead of what I don't have. I'm not worried about what I don't have. I am grateful for how you're showing yourself strong in what I do have. This is a huge thing, this choice. Now, there's one story that I came across. Some of you have heard this from the, um, the book, The Hiding Place from Corey Tamboom. And it's like this crazy story of um, when... Corey and her sister Betsy were in Ravenbrook um, prison camp, death camp, um, and made a choice to be grateful. So this, this is their barracks. We'll just leave that up so you can get some perspective on this one a little bit today. It says that the Ten Boom sisters had just arrived at a new camp and realized that the overcrowded barracks were also swarming with fleas. 
Corey wondered how they could live in such a place, but her older sister, Betsy, said God had already given them the answer. She told Corey to read the passage from the Bible that they had read that morning. And the, the cool thing about if you've ever read the story, and I believe they're doing a new movie about this as well, which is so good. True story. But um, one of the sisters had tucked one of those tiny little New Testament Bibles in the shoulder pad of her, her top, and they had gone through the whole screening process and whatever, and somehow the Bible had slipped through, and they'd managed to get into the prison camp with a Bible that nobody else had. And so they had been reading the Bible that morning. Corey went on to 1 Thessalonians 5. When she came to the verses 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Betsy exclaimed, that's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know what everybody's living conditions are like right now, but I'm pretty sure none of us are there. We can give thanks in all circumstances. We can start right now and thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. <laughs> such as, Corey asked, such as being assigned here together, Betsy said. Corey agreed. Then they went on to thank God that they'd been able to keep their Bible. They thanked God that there were so many people who were in, in there who were going to be able to hear God's word. You can complain about the cramped conditions, or you can thank God that there's so many people to hear the word. And then Betsy gave thanks for the fleas. The fleas, Corey thought. Betsy, there is no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy quoted. It doesn't say just pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. So they gave thanks for the fleas. Now, this is specifically, she felt a nudge to thank God for the fleas. Obviously, it's not just about circumstances. It's in the circumstances. But Corey felt sure this time Betsy was wrong. Time passed, the days filled with hard work and cruel guards. But every evening, the women in their barracks would gather around to hear the word of God. They were grateful they were able to read the Bible, but they wondered why the, gods didn't, why the guards didn't stop them. Then one day, Betsy learned why. It was because of the fleas. The guards refused to enter that barracks because they knew that particular one was infested with fleas. Isn't that wild? Okay, let's let that one pass. You're all just picturing your home right now, whatever it looks like. It's not that. But the things that God talks about in Deuteronomy when we read that, the things that they went through was so God could do them good in the end. The things that God is taking us through is because he is doing good things for us in the end. And our perspective, it, it can't be, how's he gonna do it? How's he gonna do it? Why is this happening to me? Why me? I thought I was better than that. I thought I had, had done better. I thought God loved me. Why, why, why? It can't be that. It has to be gratitude. It has to be glorifying God for who he is. It has to be a heart that finds something of, of his nature, of who he is, of his provision. It has to be the thing that, that we look around and God, I am choosing gratitude today. I am recognizing you for who you are. There is a practiced gratitude. So the choosing is the one thing and then we actually practice it. Philippians 4.11, Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned. Attitudes of the heart have to be developed. 
they have to be practiced. There has to be something that we continuously do until it becomes the real thing. When God instructs us to in everything give thanks, we have to decide to apply it. And one of the things that I think is super interesting is that gratitude, you know, There's instructions along in the word that we read um, that we have better perspective on. The more people know and the more people discover, it's why the Bible is so, to me, utterly fascinating, is God doesn't do anything just for nothing. There's always a reason, and we just don't always understand the reason. And so when you read Leviticus, for instance, if some of you are doing the read your Bible in a year plan, you're probably by mid-January going to despise that book. But... um, that one in Ezekiel, they'll just suck you in. But there's, a, there's like page after, I'm, I'm not even kidding. So, <laughs> Leviticus, man, it's a, it's a thing. There's rules upon rules upon rules. And don't touch this. And if this has touched that, don't do that. And if something's got a boil on it, you do this. And if something's got a red mark, you do that and whatever. Now that we understand biology a little bit better and we've got microscopes and then you read through Leviticus, you're like, yeah, very good plan. A lot of that makes a ton of sense. Like they didn't know how germs spread. They didn't know how disease spread, but God did. God knew what was gonna try and take them out. And God's like, here's the warning shot. Just don't do that, that, or that. And we can see that it was for benefit. It was for people's life benefit. When God tells us to be grateful, he tells us to have that heart of gratitude that we're, we're supposed to live in gratitude, whether we're talking even specifically to God or not, which is the primary source of gratitude, gratitude in general, here's health benefits that have been documented. There have been tons of studies. You can Google this and find tons of studies. The benefits of uh, gratitude in our life is improved sleep, improved mood management, improved immunity, decreased depression, decreased anxiety, relieved chronic pain, uh, reduces risk of onset disease. It is on and on and on. The physical body, the nervous system, the brain, all of it functions better when we live in a practice of gratitude. Isn't that interesting? That God tells us that this is something that we're made for, that he calls us to. But studies show that there, there's uh, not sufficient internal impetus to just live in gratitude. We have to decide to go there. So the cultivating of it, one breakdown broke it down in three simple steps that I think this is really helpful. Number one, notice what you are grateful for. Number two, savor it, absorb it, and meditate on it. Number three, express it. So let's just leave that out for a minute. It doesn't mean just like, thank you, God, this is so good. It means pause. Notice what you're grateful for. Like, Lord, we have so much. Those of us who have the least have more than 99% of the rest of the world. Truly. We, We have so much, but we're not just focused on the so much. Like, do you know him? Have you experienced his goodness? Have you experienced his forgiveness? Have you experienced the healing of heart? Have you experienced the acceptance of God? Have you experienced the fact that he knows you by name? Have have you felt that moment when everybody else seems to abandon you, but you know you're not alone because God is right there with you, that you can call on him in a moment and his presence is there? What are the things? What are the things that we need to pause and be grateful for? Savor it, absorb it, meditate on it. This idea is more than just a passing thing. It's like, wow, God, like really, truly, 
you are good. Your kindness overwhelms me. Your mercy towards me is something I so do not deserve. Your grace, your faithfulness, your answer to the cries of my heart is always there. I, I had a lot of people actually after I came home from the Philippines say, what happened over there? Because God woke me up in the middle of the night to pray for you. So my gratitude level for that trip is not that God saved me from this, 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 this. My gratitude level is for the people God woke up to pray who offset whatever was gonna happen that didn't happen. I don't know what the dangers were. I don't know what the risks were. I don't know what I was up against, but the fact that God woke up people randomly to pray for me and I was over there having a great time, I'm grateful for that. I need to pause and meditate on that and go like, what could have happened? Like, God, God, you have walked me through. You have brought me through. And, and the people that you've surrounded my life with who will pray for me in the midst of the things, the people who are, are willing to actually get out of bed at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning to pray for me, and they don't even know what they're praying for, but they're gonna intercede so that I can do what you've called me to do. I am grateful for that. You know, Peter, when he escaped prison, when the doors opened and the angels standing there, the chains are falling off, it was because a room full of people across the city were praying for him. That, that needs to be paused and celebrated on. How many times, we'll, we'll just pray over people when they're, they're headed out on a trip or whatever. We're getting out on the road, we're gonna road trip. We always pray before we leave our driveway. Um, and I, I would say, just to my own correction here, we always pray before we go on a trip. We almost never remember when we're pulling back in the driveway to say thank you. Just kind of caught my attention. Like we always, before we pull out of the driveway, we pray over the house, we pray over the dog, we pray over our business, we pray over our vehicles, we pray over everything, plead the blood of Jesus, pray for angels to stand guard. Like we're, we always do that. Rarely when we pull back in, do we pause and go, thank you, good job, guys. <laughs> like, thank you, Lord, for providing. Thank you, angels, for standing guard. How, we often forget. How often when you feel a little something coming up and you're like, oh, boy. I feel like I could be getting very sick that those people were down for weeks. Those people were down for, I, could, I feel like it's coming on. Like, Lord, I just speak health over my body. How often do we pause to go, thank you, if we didn't get it? or whatever, or if it passed quickly, or how often do we pause? Do we remember to savor it, absorb it, meditate on it? And number three, express it. This is big. Actually expressing it is a key piece of gratitude. I like this quote by uh, Robert Brold. He says, there is no such thing as gratitude unexpressed. It's plain, old-fashioned ingratitude. Yeah. There is no such thing as gratitude unexpressed. It is plain, old-fashioned ingratitude. Gratitude has the need to overflow. It has to express. So let's just look at that then. Number four, expressed gratitude. The pattern in church circles, and this is not against anybody. I just gave, me, gave you one of my own stories. We, we have... You know, prayer chains, we have group of, groups of people that will pray and pass on prayer requests. We have, uh, if you're on Facebook, we have Help and Hope, which is our, you know, share prayer needs or, you know, things that we can bless one another with, that kind of thing. Um, we regularly, as we should, this is not a correction, as we should in the church, we regularly get prayer requests. 
like somebody's niece, somebody's nephew, somebody had a car accident, somebody's in a dangerous situation, somebody's going for a job interview, somebody's in a crisis. I was thinking over our own family. How many times where we're like, you know, do we take somebody to the hospital? Do we, like, how bad is this? And we have these prayer requests and we'll, we'll rally everybody around us because fear has hit or the urgency of the situation has hit and we rally everybody to pray with us. Do we call the same line afterwards to say it worked? God did something. Do we, do we stop and say thank you? Do we stop and give a, a, a shout of praise? Do we stop and give a testimony of God's goodness? Because he's completely faithful. The amount of times that, that I mean, as a parent, I remember thinking, is my child going to die? Like moments, I remember some of us have, have had these experiences where, um, I think it was Amy that had croup or whatever, the, she couldn't breathe. I don't know if the medical advice has changed, but it was like, steam up the shower, take her in there, get her all steamed up, then take her outside to shock her so she'll breathe and whatever. So we're doing this. And we're literally like, as young parents, we're like, I think we're killing our kid. Like I, I'm not, we didn't know what to do. We were like 30 minutes away from a hospital or whatever. And we're calling and trying to get help. We've had multiple situations over the years where things like that have happened. We've had multiple situations where, you know, we're, we're traveling somewhere and it's like crisis situation on the roads and whatever, and we're just trying to get home. We've had times when we've had like complete financial collapse, something, something broke and we didn't have any contingency plan. And it was like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to, like, how are we going to feed our kids? We're either going to fix the furnace or we're going to feed our kids. Like, what are we going to, 100% of the time, God has come through. Not even like 98, 100% of the time, God has come through for us. And, and he is so faithful. But I, in my own life, I wouldn't say that I have praised with the same fervency as I have prayed at times. But when was the last time when there was something urgent, when you're just like, I don't know if we're going to make it through this, that you put the same effort into saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And the math is, with the 10 lepers, 10%. I don't know if that's a God-given percentage or what, but as it says, verse 15 of Luke 17, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. I am very certain the other nine were also grateful. I'm very certain the other nine who saw the leprosy fall off and went to the temple and actually got to go home and see their families, actually got to come back into normal functioning life again. Those, the ones who actually got their life, they were, they were dead and buried to their families and they actually got their life. I'm very sure the other nine had to be grateful, right? But one actually paused and lived the gratitude. I believe this is a massive key for us moving forward. That this place of heart and mind, this place of, of function that we can decide to live in is a key to what God has for us. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and he fell down on his face giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Meaning it was somebody who wasn't even in this natural flow of what God was doing. He'd been grafted in. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? 
Now imagine, like, this is not just a random hypothetical. Jesus, who'd been going about his business, and 10 guys yelling out, have mercy on us. Why? Because they can't go home. They can't see their families. They can't see their children. Their life is now over as body part by body part dies. They are literally the walking dead. And they're crying out, God, have mercy on us. And Jesus does, and to him, it's no small thing. Because he notes, weren't there 10? Where are the nine? I got to ask myself in my own life, am I, am I running at any better than 10% grateful? Am I 50% grateful? I mean, I like, I like, I like to live in a, in a life of praise and worship. I honor God. But, but am I in the practice of pausing and thanking him? Am I in the, the practice of, of actually considering what could have happened? Like when we sing Amazing Grace... And we hear the words, you know, that come up at every funeral ever, just about. And we sing about the grace that reached us, the love that found us, the forgiveness we're walking in, the hope that we have when we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun. When we, when we have, am I living out of that? And do I recognize that that same grace, that same presence, that same hope, it's operating. I mean, I remember, I just, I mean, it's, I'm grateful for the processes of life, right? I literally, I don't preach anything that we're not living out ourselves. I literally paid my astronomically high gas bill this week and looked at the small percentage that was actually what I used and the rest was all the other fees. You guys know it. And I was tempted to complain and whine and stuff. I might have actually even done it. I complained to you. I might just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had this flash of sitting there at our, our kitchen table as young parents crying over the heating bill and thinking, we cannot pay this. How, how will we ever pay this? What is the solution? And worrying and worrying and worrying and figuring out if we take a portion of this and we add it to that, these guys won't cut us off until then. So maybe if we could pay them first and maybe we can pick up an extra bit of work here and do something there and maybe we can get this one paid off before they cut us off. And, and it just, it dawned on me that I could either complain that the gas bill is that high or I could say, thank you, God, I can pay it. And maybe some of you right now are in the place where you're looking at the bill and you're like, I don't know how we're going to pay it. I'm just telling you, God is faithful. Yeah. Trust him. And when he comes through, we have to remember to pause and say thank you. And, and, and we, we teach all the time about standing in faith. We pray the prayer of faith, believing that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, think, or imagine, right? We believe it. That's the prayer of faith. But here's this interesting thing. So we carry on with this verse. 
In verse uh, 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, arise your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus attributed the gratitude of heart that this man lived in as faith. He identified it as faith. So the same faith that asks for the breakthrough is the same faith that thanks God for the breakthrough. It's the same faith coming and going. It bookends it. God is the source of all things. But what happens if we are not walking in the faith to receive it? Is it possible that we can't sustain it? We don't know what happened to the other nine guys. We don't know if he had a, they had good days and then maybe they got sick again. We don't know. But we do know that this man, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And when he said well, the word there, well, means saved, healed, preserved, whole. Your faith, the gratitude that he showed when he came back and he worshiped and he said, this, this, what I'm living right now, this is God's doing. This is not something I earned. I wasn't just, I wasn't just like tipped off to cheer out and call for help on the right day. I wasn't pat on the back me that I yelled for the right kind of assistance. God actually has changed my life. And when he paused and he came back and he said, thank you, the faith that was generated in that moment, the faith that was released in that moment sealed the deal. He was permanently, completely preserved, healed, and whole. We have to, if we are going to experience the ongoing openings of God that he wants to walk us through and into, I believe there's some really great things that God has in store for us. But the practice, the choice, the exercise, the discipline of gratitude is going to make all the difference. It actually is faith in action. So what we're going to do as we finish today is we're going to take just a few minutes and do that and and. I mean, it's very personal. You can't, you can't just, you know, make it happen, but we can choose it. And so whether you've got paper that you got in front of you, I've got cards at the front here. And so maybe if somebody wants to come up and grab for your row or whatever, if anybody wants to anyway, um, write a thank you note to God. Don't sign your name on it, but just write a thank you note to God. Bring them up and drop them in the offering baskets. There's baskets up, up top. I don't know if there's any cards up there, um, but we can get you some. But use a notebook or page out of your notebook, whatever. We're going to go into a song of aggressive praise. <laughs> if I was to ask you how many at some point during this year thought that something horrible in your life was going to go a different direction, but God brought you through. It would be all of us. We've all had prayer requests. We've all had times when we've asked God for something. God, we need you to come through. We need your wisdom. We need your direction. How many of us have sat there at different times and we're just like, I don't even know where to go. I don't know. Uh, there's so many, so many possibilities. I don't know where to go with this. Um, yeah, grab papers wherever. You can use the back of the offering envelope whatever. But sometimes we're sitting there and it's like, I'm just so conflicted. I have no idea. And God, I just need wisdom. And so you ask somebody, I just need to pray for me because I don't even know what to do right now. I don't know where to go. And, and somebody's like, okay, I'm going to agree with you. We're going to ask God for wisdom. And somehow before the end of the week comes, you know what to do and you make a decision. How many of us pause and go back and go, thank you, God, for the wisdom 
Thank you, Lord, for making a way for me. You're asking for a job. You're asking for provision. You're asking for housing. You're asking for whatever. You're asking for a, a connection with somebody that you've, you've been, you know, estranged for years. You're maybe looking for that, like, we just need the strength to get through this. We know we signed up for a heavy load, but God, we need the strength to survive. We need to make it through this family encounter, whatever it is. We've all had those things this year, and I'm guarantee you God has been faithful to every one of us every one of us so this morning as we go back into this and some praise I'm just gonna invite you like spend some time with it I want to pray over us as we do and then bring them to the offering baskets this is just this is our expressed gratitude let's express it to him let's give him a, a declaration of thanksgiving a declaration of praise let's actually celebrate the goodness of God as we approach the end of this year man he has brought us through he's brought us through doesn't mean everything looks perfect but if those women could praise in a concentration camp we can praise in a well-heated, well-lighted church in Canada. We can, we can celebrate how kind God is to us, how blessed we are to even be here. But more than that, deeper than that, it's His love. It's His mercy. It's His kindness. It's His forgiveness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases no matter the circumstance. His grace is sufficient for me, no matter the circumstances. He supplies all my needs according to His riches in glory, no matter my circumstances. He's the one who sees me, who knows me, who loves me, who's walking me through. He never leaves me, He never forsakes me. God, today, we prepare ourselves to bring just a big thank you. Just a big thank you, God. And you know our lives are not trouble-free, but you warned us about that. You told us in this world we would have trouble, but to take heart because you have overcome the world. So God, today we take heart. Today we meditate on your goodness. Today we fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And God, for every time we've stood in faith for an answer, today we bring an offering of faith in a thank you. We recognize it's you who's brought us through. It's you who's met the needs. It's you who's supplied. It's you who've sustained. It's you who have healed. It's you who've opened doors. It's you who crowns us with favor. God, loving kindness and mercy. It's you. So Lord, as we finish this year, we wanna bookend it with a thank you. We wanna bookend it with a thank you. And we're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful to know you. We're so grateful to be in relationship with you. We're so excited about what's ahead, but we don't even wanna take a step forward until we pause and say thank you for what you've walked us through. You are good. You are good. You are good. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. 
If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.